I was never the fastest. Never the biggest. Never the strongest. But I never let that stop me. I never lost sight of my goal. Passion moves us forward. It's how you think. It's how we think. Courtyard by Marriott. Official hotel of the NFL. That's from Stepmom. It wasn't that That's either. from Stepmom. They're singing on the bed. Everybody knows that scene. Martin, pull the plug. This is Free Cookies from ESPNW. I'm Catherine Budig. And I'm Kate Fagan. And this is a podcast all about sports, wellness, pop culture, and occasional bonus episodes. And cookies. Are you wondering why there is an episode right now? I'm not. No, I, I mean the listener. They're probably wondering, considering that last episode we made it very clear that we were going on a hiatus, and now here we are back in your feed at the same time every week. And this may come as a shock to all the listeners, but Kate has actually taken the time to make a list of all the reasons why we're back. I did, I did, I did. I made a list of five reasons why we have this bonus episode, and it's in reverse order of importance. Which I'm not entirely sure I agree with, but anyway, number five, which I guess is least important, but most important and exciting Mm -hmm. to me, is that we have a new failed idiom to share. And guess what, y'all? Kate was the one who messed it up. Are you going to share it with the people? I am going to share I'm it. I'm actually like super excited about this. Like After I said this thing, I actually turned... She's like, get out your phone, write it down. I, I like, messed it up. I, read it. I totally messed this up, write it down. No, but it is really good because we were talking about um, a, a, a person that we figured probably smokes a lot of Mary Jane. And, I love uh, how you're like dancing around that. The, the Mary Jane, the pot, the marijuana. Do you know how long it took me to figure out that Tom Petty's song... Mary Jane oh, was about was... marijuana. Like, I just figured it out. Which Last makes sense considering where I'm going with it. Okay. Time to kill the Don't pain. do that to our listeners. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stop. Okay. So, stop something. it. Stop it. Okay. So, back to the purpose of this and why we're back. It's not for Kate singing. The reason why is we were talking about this person. And so, Kate looks at me and she's like, Can you be a stonehead? <laughs> Or are you just a stoner? And not only did she ask if you can be a stonehead, she no, then... wait, hold up. I'm sorry. You, you uh, We're going to have to start this again. You said this. I said the thing about grinding the pavement. No, you said stonehead. No, no, no. Yes, you, you did. You said stonehead. No, I definitely Baby. did not. No, I was there. Baby, you said stonehead. You asked, can you be a stonehead? And I was like, no. no. You could be a pothead no. or a stoner. No, oh my God. We're going to go, no. Y'all, she has recreated this no, in her baby, mind. Baby, baby, baby. I said the grinding the pavement. Yeah, you said that too. No, but you, you definitely... said the stonehead. All right. But no, but in here, y'all are going to believe me because after the stonehead part, she then asked me what Visine is. That doesn't mean that I would mess up Stonehead. I rest my case. I rest my case. Anyway, the Number actual four. failed idiom was I was talking about someone who has to really get out there and get stuff done. And what I said was, I really need to grind the pavement. Not as exciting as Stonehead. I didn't say. Oh, my God. Number four. For you close listeners last week, Catherine mentioned that the puppies call me Julia. And we glanced by this. And Catherine said, "Ah, that's a story. That's a story for another time. And I'm sure y'all thought we meant after the hiatus, like a very long time away. But no, 
The Julia story will happen right now. Right. It's not like our secret bedroom name. I never said Stonehead. Um, <laughs> so we needed a, a something to call. So I'm Mama. And when I say Mama, like... To the dogs, by the way. To the dogs. <laughs> Uh, uh, (laughs) so I am not yeah oh wow um so the dogs refer to me as mama and obviously that means that I when I'm voicing the dogs and they're talking to me as me refer to me as mama and I needed some kind of you know they can't be like mama and Kate that just seemed really weird so there's this movie this movie this I'm getting to what this movie is okay (laughs) <laughs> you're very pushy today um that julie roberts stars in and it's stepmom mm-hmm. and she's the stepmom of susan sarandon and i actually have never seen the movie but kate that's why you got said very this passionate movie, about it as if every like 90 percent of listeners will be like you know julia roberts and stepmom like this is like a thing no you know julia roberts and pretty woman yeah and also stepmom I and just, also wait, we're looking at producer sarah did you need to uh, qualify like this movie stepmom like who that's 35 all right hit us up free cookies at espn.com from all of you should Catherine have qualified stepmom as if 90 percent of you wouldn't have seen stepmom anyway free cookies percentage but the point is so i started calling kate julia because she's the puppy stepmom yep and so the puppies call her julia yeah like Catherine will actually say like Say goodbye to your Julia. Your Julia. Yes, it is. That is the exact And then the puppies just look at me and they're like, get the F out. My Julia needs to give me more chow. Stat. (laughs) Julia, I need triple the chow. I feel like people are going to think we are stoneheads right now. (laughs) All right, number three. I wanted to fully report out my I ate a Christmas ornament story that I mentioned last week. So I hit up my mom to get the details. And this was our text exchange. I basically said, Mom, tell me about the time I ate that Christmas ornament. Why did I do that? And she said, because it looked like a cookie. She said I was seven or eight years old, so not 15 or 16 like I thought. And I asked her, why would I do this? Why would I just take a big bite out of something that was a Christmas ornament? She said they were all on the counter, all of the Christmas ornaments, and I had made this particular cookie ornament, and I had laminated it, and it was just sitting there on the counter. And so I said to my mom, I'm like, Why would I try to eat a cookie I knew I had laminated? I said, her logic was flawed. To which she replied, ha, yeah, it's my logic. Not Kate thinking, quote, we didn't make these that long ago. So that was what my mom said about the Christmas Does that say something about your memory? Or do you think maybe when you put the lamination on it, you thought it was frosting? Like, did you think you were glazing the cookie like a donut? I have to tell you that when I was growing up, my mom would say I could have only two cookies, and these were real cookies, like Oreos or something, but not on the standard cookie list. Like you could only have two cookies at one Because I was meal? chubby. Because you were chubby. And my mom would say two cookies, and then I would eat like seven or eight. So I don't know that I had rules to anything, and I'm not sure that I thought laminate would So was really- this so rebellious behind everyone's back? I'm going to sneak a little bit of Christmas cookie? <laughs> I think so. Or was that a plea for help where you're like, please just let me no, have a no, third no. cookie. I, think I, I promise I won't eat the laminated one if you just give me a third cookie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number two. Kate's book is out. Second book, What Made Maddie Run. It is up on Amazon.com. It is everywhere where books are sold. I am so proud of her. The story is powerful. It is pertinent. It is timely. It is a story that every single human parent, person, family member, friend really needs to read. And I don't use the word need lightly. Thanks, KB. Mm-hmm. 
But the real reason, and that would be number one on our list of five reasons in reverse order about why we are dropping this special podcast, number one, because we got a guest that we were desperate to have on, and it never worked out with the timing, and now she's here. Sue Bird's bio is so long and storied that we had to break it down in the middle so neither of us get too tired talking about how freaking phenomenally, insanely talented this woman is. I mean, what, we had to leave like 60% of her achievements Numbers out? Numbers and percentages. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> All right, so Sue Bird played at UConn, most famous women's basketball college program. She was then the number one overall pick in the 2002 WNBA draft. She was selected by the Seattle Storm, and she's now in her 15th season with the team. So she also played for multiple teams outside the U.S., including in Russia. She's 36 years old now. She's a two-time WNBA champion, nine-time WNBA All-Star, five-time All-WNBA First Team. All right, we go on and on here. She also won four Olympic gold medals. And do you think ever, you know how when Olympians, after they get their medals and they're standing on the podium and then they they bite it, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the stereotypical image? Yep. Do you think she ever, like, bites it and thinks, God, I just wish this was a cookie wow really that's what you're gonna do. well you're gonna bring it back to the christmas ornament thing <laughs> back to sue bird i but never she knows it's a metal and not a gold she doesn't know it's not an oreo under there donut medallion around her neck she doesn't know it's not a double stuffed oreo beneath that gold <laughs> thank you kb i never said stonehead that was absolutely you so she won Three FIBA World Championships. Like, look, I could go on and on with how much she's done in the world of basketball. She's one of the most talented basketball players alive. And also, two weeks ago, in an article on ESPNW.com, it's awesome. You should check it out. She talks about her relationship with U.S. women's soccer star Megan Rapino, who she herself is a World Cup champion and also an Olympic gold medalist. And so I think they are now... Basically major power They're couple. basically now, I think they're number three on my personal list of sports power couples. But I'm going to have to Ooh, revisit number that one? now. Oh, we'll save that for season two. Season two, everybody. And also on a personal note, I worked UConn Women's Basketball Camp with Sue Bird and she's a phenomenal dancer. So let us add that to the list of things that Sue Bird is really freaking good at. But I do have a very pressing question for her, so why don't we bring her on? All right, we are now joined by Sue Bird. And this would be the part of the show where I would read some sort of specific bio. And then we would ask you if that you relate to that personally. But we have a a more pressing question for you, Sue. Kate needs to know if you remember... This must have been roughly 15 years ago. No more. Or more. <laughs> when you and Kate were playing a game of pickup, mm-hmm. and evidently, she stole the ball from you. <laughs> Is this, like, ingrained in your memory? <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, let's have a follow-up question, Sue. <laughs> okay. It's Kate. <laughs> I know that yeah. that was very specific. What happened was, mm-hmm. I- I'll get to the details later. Do you remember okay. actually even playing pickup? together um like vaguely yeah (laughs) do you just feel like you have to say that she's being really nice no no no. I don't feel like I have to say that (laughs) okay because I did work UConn summer camp and I think you played pickup a a minimum of one night and you attempted to throw a pass I was guarding you like over my head and I like jumped up and stole it and I 
I almost just like walked off the court. I was. This is I was clearly like, something that she loops in her memory over and over and over right. again when she's feeling bad about herself. That's not an exaggeration. <laughs> but thank you. That's how we wanted to start this podcast. And you know, you can't you can't remember all the turnovers. You've got to keep <laughs> <it easy. laughs> um, I do have one other light question for you before we get into the serious okay. stuff. Um, so I read that for two glorious years in high school that you went to school with Natalie Portman. Is that true? Yes, that's true. Two glorious years, right? Because it's interesting because Kate, like most humans, thinks Natalie Portman was gorgeous. Yes, especially the SNL skit that she did where she had shaved shaved her head head for V is for Vendetta and she got super, like, kind of intense, like. Yeah, and she rapped. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's when she became sexier. But more (laughs) importantly, Sue, she, you know who she thinks is the sexiest? Emma Thompson. Yep. Oh. So, which leads me exactly. See, that reaction was exactly yeah, what I was expecting. So, I guess my question <laughs> for you, Sue, do you have any really weird Emma Thompson-esque crush that you just really want to embarrass yourself on our podcast right now and tell us who that might be? Uh, I, I, um, <laughs> you know, being on the spot like this, not my favorite. <laughs> I can't really think. Maybe by the end I'll have one. All right, All right cool. We'll, we're going to we'll come, come back to that. that. All right, okay. so... Let's get to some actual sporting because I'm so excited that you're on because we talk a lot on this podcast. We've done Blake a lot of Blake Lively. Blake Lively. Oh, oh, that's not something to be ashamed of. But I like it. Okay. She's smoking. I had... Yeah, of course. Gossip Girl. Yeah. I, back now. I actually ran into Blake Lively at the post office in New York City once. <laughs> just you guys, just all the connections here on this podcast. And you stole the ball once. Okay. okay. Right. I was going to say this. We played pickup. Memory you have of stealing the ball. <laughs> Whenever you're down, you think about yeah, it. Blake Lively, Super <laughs> stole ball. Check. All right. Okay. I'm glad that you interrupted right there. I was like, what is she interrupting Sorry, about? Yeah, my bad. My bad. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm super excited you're on because we've interviewed so many folks on this podcast, like in the wellness world, and we haven't really attacked and discussed women's sports about mm-hmm. what the culture around it, about a lot a lot of the conversations around it. And I know that both you and I have at various points on various channels on ESPN or wherever else, like discussed all of the issues around like the WNBA and women's sports and female athletes yeah. and, and why people react very differently to them. And let's get, we'll get into that, but I want to start with like, cause your rookie year in the WNBA was 2002. What shifts have you seen in how the media talks about it, fans talk about it in the in those fifteen years? It's tough because in some in some regard, we've made tons of progress. You know, I think it's um, you actually see it more in kids. You know, if you're talking to like thirteen, fourteen year old boy or girl, the WNBA women's professional sports, it's, it kind of rolls off their tongue. It's a part of their, their everyday where, you know, if I met that same aged kid in my rookie year, they might have been anti. You know what I mean? So it's, it's definitely, there's been progress. It's on the move. Um, but I still think we're fighting very similar battles. Again, we've, we've definitely taken steps in the right direction, but the battles are, are really similar. Whereas, you know, it's like, got, basically it's not enough to dislike women's basketball. Even if I don't even know if that's actually the people that say they dislike it. I don't even know if it's based on any facts. They just say they do. It's not enough to do that. They have to like, you know, they have to basically tear it down. So I don't know. 
for some reason, that's the way it goes, and that's definitely been the case since day one, and it's the case now. When you got when you when I say you guys, I mean like players in the WNBA. I'm sure you guys talk about this phenomenon of how people react to the WNBA, and and you're so spot on. It's almost as if those who don't like women's basketball for whatever reasons, valid or not don't even want to allow other people the space to form their own opinion about it. It, it, yeah. it. It's like they need to clutter the space so that even like somebody younger or, or who's like, maybe I will watch the WNBA all of a sudden it's like, you'd be crazy to do that. Like there's just like a lot of that. When you guys talk about it as WNBA players, what philosophy or thoughts do you have about why that's the case specifically with women's basketball? Um, it's two things. I think, um, you know, the, the few conversations, whether we've been joking around or, or serious, um, and this is really like 100%, like I firmly believe this is the reason why, I think that basketball is a really popular sport. And I think as kids, as, you know, whether you're high school age, college age, beyond, it's a sport that a lot of men, boys play. And they play it on teams, and then when they can't play on teams anymore, they play pickup, they try to go to the park, and they're just constantly sizing females up when it comes to basketball. I think the average dude who maybe played in high school, but not beyond that, sees a WNBA player, sizes them up, and says, I can probably beat you one-on-one. I can play in the WNBA, so you can't be that good. And that, to me, is where the mentality starts. I don't even think they mean to do it. I think it just happens. I see it in serious conversations, and then I even see it amongst my own friends who are, like, joking. I have a guy friend. He's not even that good, but he's athletic, and he's like, oh, I'd be, a w- I'd be an all-star in the WNBA, and it's like, you know, but what they don't understand, and this is the second thing, and this is actually, I'm, taking, I'm stealing this from Diana Taurasi. Um, there was, like, a Gatorade commercial probably, I don't even know, six, seven years ago, and it was, like, a little boy, and he got to climb into this, like, Dwayne Wade robot body and then go play. That was, like, the whole premise was, like, oh, I drink Gatorade, I become, I can climb into this body and be Dwayne Wade. And D would always say, like, give me Dwayne Wade's body. I will be in the NBA. The problem is we, we don't have those bodies. You know, we don't have that physique. We don't have the speed, the strength. And unfortunately, average Joe does. And to kind of just bring it, you know, full circle back, it's, yeah, like, that guy might have, might be able to beat me one-on-one. You know, Joe Schmo can probably beat me one-on-one, and he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster. But I, I know for a fact that he can't play the game of basketball as well as I can. He's not as, as good of an actual basketball player. His skills aren't as good. You know what I mean? And, and that's, where, that's where the truth lies. But, you know, dudes aren't, aren't trying to talk about that. They just want to talk about how they can, you know, dunk on you, which means absolutely nothing. So the, the fact that you have to deal with this constant, whether, you know, it's friends joking around or whether it's coming to you from the media, how, I mean, you've been playing pro for 15 seasons. Mm-hmm. How frequently, what percentage does that get under your skin and affect your love for the game? Like, have you ever had moments where you're like, I'm just so sick of this. I want to retire now and move to Montana and have a oh, Montana. farm. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. But. I don't know. I'm, no, I'm it would, it would be, injecting my own dreams. Hawaii, but, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it actually doesn't, it, it doesn't really bother me like day to day. Um, what's been interesting actually is uh, when the big three came out 
that's kind of been, that's kind of brought it all to the surface a little bit, I think, for a lot of people in women's basketball, because here you have this league, and believe me, I'm, I'm all for basketball, so this isn't, I'm not anti-Big 3, but you have all these people going to all these games, and I guarantee you it's the same people who say, I don't want to watch women's basketball, it's below the rim. I don't want to watch women's basketball, they're not athletic enough. I don't want to watch, I don't want to watch. But they'll go to a game where it's these older players who aren't playing above the rim, you know, who aren't as athletic as they once were. And again, I, I, I watched it. I'm not going to lie. Like when it comes on TV, I watch it. But it does kind of stir up a little something, you know, and it has nothing to do with basketball itself. You know, it's just, I think to some degree, the NBA, the big three, men's basketball itself has turned to this like pop culture thing. And people just want to be a part of it the same way they want to, you know, maybe take a picture with Kim Kardashian. They just want to be a part of that celebrity. And we don't, unfortunately, we don't have that. You know, it's this cool factor that, for whatever reason, people don't see us and see that. Yeah, where do you believe the first seed of change needs to come to get that cultural capital for the WNBA? And I also want to make clear here that, like, you guys have a thousands, millions of passionate fans. I mean, I know, I know oh, you already absolutely. know this. I just wanted to give Make sure we got yeah, the that out there because, yeah. like, th- there will be WNBA fans who are like, don't talk about the negative, and I don't want to. I just want to address some of the problems as well. So at least, like, from somebody who works at ESPN, like, I want to understand what we can try and do better as, like, a partner with the league. But I just wanted to make sure everybody knows, mm-hmm. like, people love the WNBA, but where do you think, like, the first actual change that could be made can be made to at least start to transition to where the w- WNBA is seen as, like, cultural capital? Right. Um, that's a tough question. You know, I think to piggyback off you saying that we do have fans and, and I mean, we absolutely do. I mean, the, and the fan base is passionate. And I think maybe the answer to this question is, you know, to not compare us to the men. I think what happens is, you know, even the fact that we have to go out of our way to remind people like, no, 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 the WNBA, it's doing well. We have fans because I think people see that we, you know, and, and don't quote me on these numbers, but you know, we average, who knows, seven, eight thousand, nine thousand a game over, you know, across the league. You know, the, the viewership is, you know, X amount for the finals. And, and people hear these numbers and immediately they compare them to the NBA. Immediately. They look at our salaries, immediately gets compared to the NBA. And I think that's just a trap that, that nobody means to fall into, nobody means to have happen. But it makes us look bad because, to be honest, who does make as much money as these guys? Who does have the viewership that right. the NBA does? Who does have that popularity? I mean, the NBA certainly didn't. And by the way, the 30 for 30 on the Celtics Lakers, that right there, like, okay, I think we'll be all right because we're actually in some ways ahead, you know, in our 21st year. We're actually ahead of the game. But they didn't have, back then, they didn't have anything to compare it to. We constantly get compared to the men. I hate it. I hate it. Even like something as small as like our free agency and our CBA, it's all based on what the NBA did. Or what the NBA does doesn't mean it's right for us, right. you know. So that's like a big thing. We have to get into that. Yeah, it's kind of like when they made us do a bunch of power cleans when we were lifting in college, and like that's not <laughs> that, actually no, really. why. Why am I doing power cleans? <laughs> no, you're you're like absolutely right. I mean, that's a whole other topic, but right. you're absolutely right. It's like we're women, even like nutrition and stuff. Everything's based on what is good for a guy. It's not based on what's good for a woman. So well, and and that's yeah. interesting too. And on a more positive note, and and also just a curiosity, as someone, so you've been pro for fifteen. You played for UConn before that. I'm assuming. How old were you when you first started 
plane? Hooping. Or hooping. <laughs> oh, God. I don't even know. Like It was like, Natalie Portman and Sue Bird like in the backyard. Just know, like, right. <laughs> you and Natalie when you were young playing basketball, hanging out. But my point is... She was filming The Professional. Right. <laughs> she had an Oscar or whatever. Um, but the point is, I'm just very curious about the topic. How do you stay hungry at something for a so long and it, it because it to me it doesn't matter if you're talented at something you know when you invest so much blood sweat and tears you eventually reach a breaking point and so I'm really curious what keeps you going what you know why do you still have a thirst for the game or maybe I'm putting words in your mouth maybe you're like actually I'm gonna be done really soon <laughs> feel free to make any um, announcement you need right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I think in order to play professional sports, I mean, you have to love it. If you don't love it, it, it would be, I mean, you would just be putting yourself through hell because it's a lot. It's demanding. It's demanding physically. It's demanding mentally, emotionally, like you name it. So obviously at the end of the day, as cliche or as like simple as it might sound, I love it. You know, I love doing it. I love being a part of a team. I love being a part of a team and entering a season and trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to make this work? Um, you know, there have been seasons where, um, well, let me rephrase. Each season, it kind of changes, maybe individually. There have been seasons where I've had to prove people right. You know, then there's been seasons where I've had to prove people wrong. Then there's been, you know, you name it, mm-hmm. everything under the sun. And, and I think with each new challenge, even though the sport's the same, the game's the same, um, it kind of makes it, it gives it this unique uniqueness to it. And it just keeps you coming back. You know, I don't think, I'm 36. I don't think I'd still be doing it if I if I didn't love it. So that's that's the core of it, but it is hard. And, and the part you said about you love being part of a team, do you think if you were in a solo sport, like a tennis player, and you were at the same amount of time in your career, do you think it would be different? Like, do you feel like your teammates are truly what keeps you going? Probably, yeah. I, I truly don't know if I could play an individual sport. That just seems like a whole different beast to me. Yeah, totally. um, I never played, I actually never played competitively any individual sports. I can't even... In some ways, I'm like, I don't get it. And then in other ways, I'm like, I have so much respect. Mm-hmm. Because when you're on a basketball court, you know, there's, a, there's four other players. And then there's, you have your whole team. So it's not just you. Like, if you're playing tennis, you're down a set, that's just you. Like, and you have to figure that out on your own. So, and I, I can't even, I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, I, I've, I've often thought about whether I would have been better at tennis. And I don't know that mentally... I, I feel like I'm pretty self-aware and I feel like when you're in a solo sport and maybe especially like tennis, like the amount of thoughts that would bounce around my head without like a teammate yeah. to talk to, like I think I would drive myself crazy in a solo uh-huh. sport. I don't know. I mean, you strike me as someone obviously who's also self-aware and that like could also be a pitfall if you were in something like tennis. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I would talk myself into a tizzy the minute I hit the ball wrong. <laughs> you know, in basketball, I can kind of, um, help a teammate do something well, and that gives you that confidence back. You know, so if you miss a shot, and but then you like, you know, drop a dime, you're like, okay, I'm good. We're in tennis, like you miss, you miss whatever a shot or a hit or whatever the hell it's called, <laughs> and then what? You got to hit it again, but you've lost your. I don't even know how you get that back. <laughs> All right. So before we before we switch topics here, I just have to ask Catherine. When Sue said drop a dime, what did what did you think? I mean, I'm assuming she's not legitimately dropping dimes because basketball shirts don't have pockets. <laughs> right. What do you think it meant? This is fat. This is awesome. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I even okay. have an intelligent cool. response. That's awesome. All right. 
Right. Is awesome. they, well, can we now know what that means, though? Said. Don't leave us true, all non-basketball lingoers That's hanging. true, because we have a lot of, like, yoga people, wellness people. Sue, will you please yeah, do the yeah. honors? <laughs> yes, I will. Um, dropping dimes is, um, is a, a way of saying you had a nice assist. You passed the ball, and then somebody else scored. Wow, I want, and now I want to know the origin Yeah, of I that. need to know the origin Producer of that. Producer Sarah, can I don't you even know that? Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't even know the origin. Because it does sound baller, but not like in the, I'm going to go play with the basketball. That just sounds like make it rain. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, yeah, it is kind of in that. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look it up here on the on the we side, are. and then producer Sarah will chime back in. But all right, so two weeks ago or so, we had that awesome story up on ESPNW, and for listeners who don't know, first of all, please go check it out on ESPNW.com. And in it, you talk about your relationship with soccer star Megan Rapinoe and a lot of information that over the years, I know folks around you knew, but maybe not casual fans would have known. What has life been like for you in the last two weeks since that article came out? Um, Truthfully, it's been pretty much the same as it was before. (laughs) Um, I would say the immediate was, you know, there was a reaction, um, 99.9% positive. So that was good. Um, but yeah, aside from that, it's just kind of life has gone on. You know, maybe a, a few more Twitter comments here and there, but otherwise right. it's the same. I, I'm so intrigued just because I, you know, everything I've read about you is that you really, you're a very private person. You like to protect your personal life. And I, I just wrote down this quote from the, the W story where you said, I don't feel like I've not lived my life. I think people have this assumption that if you're not talking about it, you must be hiding it like it's a secret. And that was never the case for me. And that's something that I've personally experienced before where, you know, Kate and I do this dance of wanting to respect our relationship and our privacy, but at the same time feeling like it's a disservice as two women in a relationship to not allow ourselves to be public in hopes that it might give other people people permission to do the same who are in desperate need of support and it's just such a interesting balance to strike where you want you know it's like it's nobody's business right like get out of my life this Uh is my personal life (laughs) but at the same time as a public figure there is a responsibility that comes along with well what level of myself do I need to share that can actually be part of the greater good yeah well it is it is a doubling act in that way I think um but yeah, I mean, I never really thought of it from the, you know, you can help people standpoint. It never, it just never really, I mean, it's like, obviously I knew, right. like, I was my eyes open, I understood it, but it just, I never like, oh, like, who can, who can I help? You know, um, Megan, obviously is somebody who is very vocal in that way and, and kind of opened my eyes to some of that. But at the same time, it, it was just, I think I was just. I've been at a point now for years about the article. I think some people think um, I made the to come out and I decided to do it this way and whatnot. It wasn't really like that. It was kind of like it's been there for the last couple of years where I didn't care. I think early in my career, I never would have said it. I can, I can certainly say that. Um, I would say for like four or five years, it's just been like, whatever. And nobody ever asked. And I, and it's, I don't want to put the onus on other people to have to ask me, but that's essentially what happened. I mean, Michelle just asked. <laughs> and then we start talking about it. Um, and now that now that that's happened, um, I guess there, there's a small part of me that's like, wow, I could have done this sooner. Probably, you know, potentially would have had a larger impact on, on some people because, you know, a lot of the, um, 
you know, the byproduct, I guess, is that it does help people. And, and so, you know, who wouldn't want to have done that sooner? Um, but, you know, timing is everything. And for me, this was the timing. Okay, two things, Sue. One, the origin of dropping a dime. Or yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get back. I can't to, wait. This is Kevin's looking at me like, can you please stay on topic? Like, is that really the transition? Okay. <laughs> I, I'm also I'm gonna I'm gonna seamlessly merge us back into the topic. I believe in you. Okay. This is from some sort of website. The origin of a basketball assist being called a dime isn't readily known. There are a variety of theories theories, but the most common assumption is that it came from earlier times when payphones were available across the U.S. When payphones were most popular, it cost a dime to make a phone call. So if one needed to make a phone call, it was common for that person to ask, does anyone have a dime? In this sense, dropping a dime or giving someone a dime was assisting someone to make a phone call. Huh. Huh. That actually makes sense, but it's one of those where I'm like, does it make so know. much sense that you're retrofitting it? Yeah. We'll keep, yeah. We'll keep doing research. Okay, back to merging on topic. <laughs> How okay. much do you think being with Megan affected talking about this now? Did it at all? Uh, yes and no. Um I think, uh, you know, I think this is like, this is somewhat of a, uh, not cliche, but I think it's easier to speak about these things when you're in a relationship. I think you probably have friends in your life. I know I do where it's like, oh, they generally come out or start talking about it because they're in a relationship and they're a little more confident. And I think because I was in a relationship and I got asked, it was easy to say, yes, I'm with this person. You know, if I was single, I, at this point in time, I think I still would have said it. I think I still would have said it. Um, but at this point, it wasn't. I mean, I joke with her that I mean, I was guilty by association the minute they put us on TV at, at, I saw that. at UConn games and, and stuff. That, so uh, I texted that my was, friends. That was game over for me at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so, two questions to follow up on that. One, I would love to. We'd love to hear how you and Megan met, and also. Do you think Kate could pull off Megan's hair color? Oh, that's oh. nice. She's been wanting <laughs> to try it out for a while. It looks really good on Megan. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And the fact that she's not, like, naturally blonde is bizarre. I'm like, I need to see you in your natural <laughs> for something. But, um, yeah, it takes a lot of work, Kate. It takes a lot of work. Yeah, I feel like, like... She, like, doesn't wash her hair. She only conditions it. The bleach thing is, you know, it's a lot of, we don't want it to dry out. I know that life well. I feel like once you start down that road, you're committed to, like, seeing a color specialist, like, every six weeks. And I'm not sure I'm ready for that commitment. I will hold your hand through all of that. Yeah, but then I still have to go. Even To hold your hand, I have to be there. I will drive you there. Okay. And make the appointments. But how did you guys meet? Yes, how did you meet? (laughs) Okay. No, we have, um, we're in the same agency, so we don't have the exact same agent, but like for all intents and purposes, we basically have the same agent. So, Mm -hmm. and obviously she plays in Seattle. So the odd thing is that we hadn't met sooner, to be honest, but through, um, the first time we actually met was at like, uh, they, they do this like big Olympic media day, you know, for NBC. And, and, and so we just kind of was like, Oh, Hey, what's up? That was it. And then fast forward to the actual Olympics. Um, ran into each other again and then fast forward like a month or two later and then that was that we were in Seattle at that point and it just kind of took off did you go get coffee because that's what I would have done in Seattle <laughs> yeah because it's the best <laughs> and do you, do you drink coffee or are you like Tarazi like a vegan who only like a Tom Brady Diana Tarazi mix don't get me started on the vegan thing <laughs> okay um 
No, no vegan coffee. I drink no vegan coffee. Well, that's going to be the rage. Is that a thing? I don't even know. I've never heard it put that way, but that's pretty amazing. So I heard when when you were talking on Sports Center a couple weeks ago, you were talking about how like you this was something you were always going to do your own way in your own timing, and that it was like an evolution. Can you just share with us some of what that evolution was like for you? Um, I think part of that evolution was just being comfortable in my own skin. And then, you know, as time went, being comfortable with um, having other people who weren't, quote unquote, my people, knowing, you know, looking at me and seeing that. And, And the truth of, you know, the reality is that, you know, like a friend of mine told me, they're like, oh, my God, they changed your Wikipedia page within five minutes. I was like, really? <laughs> and the, but that's the reality. The reality is if you're any kind of any public figure, you know, especially in, in female sports, now that's going to be one of the first things they say. And, you know, you know, there's part of me that's like, what can you do? You know, now I'm one of the gay basketball players. What can you do? But I think at a younger age, that was something that I thought about and something that affected you know, if I was going to be open or not publicly. Um, but then it got to a point where, again, probably like, I mean, I want to say at least five years, probably more. I mean, am I the only one on this podcast that, like, when you say 10 years ago, you think of the 90s? Like, all my time is all messed up anyway. Totally. So it I think of John Starks in mid-90s. That's what I think of. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that was, college for me wasn't even 10 years ago, which is just really <laughs> sad at this point. But, um, yeah, so it feels it feels longer. Who knows? But anyway, at some point, I kind of was just like doing my thing, living my life. At, at, I would say, yeah, somewhere five, six years ago, I was really confident that everybody in my life who I needed to go have a conversation with and say, hey, listen, you know, whether it was my mom, my dad, my sister, this, that, the other, whoever, those people, it was like, check, check, check. I checked all these boxes of people that I wanted them to know out of my own mouth. And then from there, it was just like, I'm living my life. I wasn't thinking twice. If somebody asked me, I never lied. I didn't omit. You know, all of my teammates have known. All the coaches I've played for has, have known. It's never been, you know, a secret. And so I think what the evolution was is getting to that point of, you know, what's the right timing. And, and in the article I say, you know, there were, there were moments where it literally was on the tip of my tongue. And I just didn't go through with it for whatever reason. I think part of that is just my personality. I don't think it was a – it had nothing to do with shame or nerves, or, you know, I wasn't worried. It was just my personality to not wanting to bring attention to myself. Um, and then, and then I got asked and that's kind of the evolution of it. I know in the story, I think Megan's quoted as saying that she always, it's not always, but like frequently will run things by you because she says you're really level headed. So yeah. this is akin to the question we asked you about the celebrity. She's not going to like this question. I know you're not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the Can't most? Wait. I know. No <laughs> so excited for this question now. <laughs> What's the most like irrational decision you ever made, or spontaneous to the point where you're like, "That was unlike me." That you can remember, and how did it play out for you? Um. Um. Da, 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 da. All right. So. Again, on the spot with these questions. I always just right, say Blake Lively. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Natalie Portman. Blake Lively. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was my, this wasn't necessarily a decision, but it was my rookie year. I go on this, this guy Mitch's, 
he's like a sports talk show guy in Seattle, very popular. Like going on there was very important for the storm, you know, getting getting our name on on a show like that. It's, he's on a radio show, and we got we had like a good thing going, you know. Like he he was like to you know kind of he would throw it at me, I'd throw it back. We're going back and forth, and I don't remember if it was the first time I went on or the second or the third. But at some point, he he had this thing about assist to turnover ratio. So we got talking about it and talking trash about it. Eventually, at the end of the day, he was like, all right, I bet you can finish the season with a two-to-one assist to turnover ratio. Catherine will explain that in a second. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Then then he'll buy season tickets. Okay. And that's that's all I heard. Right. Because I was confident that I was going to finish the season with that. So that was all I heard. I was like, boom, good, I'm in. I kind of went deaf on the part where if it, if I didn't get it, he was going to be able to spank me. Saying this out loud now, I'm, obviously, I'm like, oh my god! Right? Did but not like, see I that was one 21, coming. And I was just like, I, I know nobody ever does. <laughs> so, so that was like, you know, I was just, I didn't think it. Oh, it was, it was spur of the moment, whatnot. And I just, obviously, now I would never fall into that. But at 21, totally fell in, and then took a turn for the worse because. There were some people saying that I was promoting women's violence. It just, just went in a whole other direction that it was never meant to go. Um, such is life, you learn. But, yeah, that's probably my worst ever. Like, well, ever, ever, ever. I don't also know if you're stubborn. So did you dig your heels in and be like, guys, this is all in good fun? Or were you immediately like, I made a mistake? No. Yeah, I immediately ha- I, I knew I, I needed yeah. to apologize. Because, again, the, the whole bringing the women's violence into it um, – you know, and, and I think now I'm aware of it. You can't, you know, words have meaning and power. So right away I knew I had to, I had to apologize and, and, you know, took it back. And then I had, I did not go on his show until last year. Last year oh, was wow. the first year since like 2000. Did they ask yeah. you back repeatedly and you said no? Um, I think it was just like, a, I actually don't know. Because a lot of those, you know, those inquiries and, and have passed through the team. Yeah. But I actually don't know for a fact. But I think it was kind of an understanding, like, eh. You gotta wait it out. Yeah, yeah. Now you only approve interview requests for like podcasts, like you know. <laughs> exactly. Free cookies. Yeah, we and something that we like to wait, do. Wait, we do need to backtrack and explain it to assisted turnover ratio. Oh, <laughs> oh, from me, right? Yeah. Well, and for our listeners, an assisted ratio. Tur- what, what? Sue, please do the honors. <laughs> assisted turnover ratio is basically what I live and die on. It's like how I gauge everything in terms of my play. So as, as a player, but especially point guard, but as a player in any basketball scenario, you want to make sure you're assisting, which we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. at least have a two to one turnover ratio. So you want to just make sure you're doubling basically your turnovers. That that's like a excellent ratio. If you can be higher, great. If you're lower, not amazing. If you're like in the negatives, terrible. Turnovers like cherry or apple. <laughs> Kate Sagan's playing pickup at UConn camp, and she steals it from me. That's a turnover. Yes. Uh, yes. I when I when played you, college, I <laughs> I'm glad you remember that now. When I was playing college, I was happy when I had a one to one assist to turnover ratio. So we all can't be Sue Bird, Kate, no. but she's going to keep trying. But so Sue, we have a very important question that we always ask our guests at the end of the interview, since this is free cookies, but. We found a really alarming fact about you that might affect your answer. Um, you did this list a while ago for Us Weekly. And fact number 22 says you are allergic to some nuts and the skin of uh-huh. some fruits. And I'm yep. just so concerned that that may dramatically 
limit your a cookie options or maybe even i mean i don't know i just felt very sad when i read that number 22 and i oh no this does not affect my sugar intake okay <laughs> bring it so you're <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that one of the skins of fruit you're not allergic to is not a grape or a raisin because my favorite cookie is an oatmeal raisin. I'm recruiting people to the oatmeal raisin team. I don't know if you're on team oatmeal raisin. I'm going to be upset if you're team anti-oatmeal raisin, but where do you stand on oatmeal raisin? Not anti, not my fave, but not oh. anti. Okay, so what I is your fave after that manipulative setup? Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's this place in Seattle. I don't know how often yes. you guys get out here, Specialized but it's called cookies. Hello Robin. Okay. Hello, Robin. Yes. And it's called the Macklemore. <laughs> Obviously, play on words. Okay. Macklemore. And it's uh-huh. one. It's, um, chocolate. I think it's a chocolate chip cookie. Whatever the cookie is, it's a cookie. And they do, like, the whole s'more thing on top, the graham cracker and the chocolate. and It's, like, out of this world. It oh, is wow. so bomb. And they're usually made fresh, so it's warm, it's hot, so good. That is, by far, currently my favorite cookie. S'more. If it's not, like, slice and bake Pillsbury cookie dough, then I'm going back with one. Okay. Okay. And I hate to do this because you're Sue Bird, but I do have a standard cookie list and I omit any cookie that's like a specialized cookie. I I want... Oh, because like on the standard chocolate chip, she's hard to live with. Straight chocolate chip is what Sue Bird would choose. Okay, which would have been a fascinating answer compared to the. Come on now. No, I'm glad that give the woman some cookie freedom. I'm glad we allowed Sue to venture out to like the singular. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yes. (laughs) All right, Sue Bird. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Sue. Okay, I need to go work on my two to one assist to turnover ratio. So we're gonna be right back. Dropping dimes. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I feel like a whole new person. Disclaimer, you will not become a whole new person. This is impossible. You might be able to join a gym or diet program, buy a new wardrobe, get hair implants, but your DNA and physical form will remain the same. GEICO waives any and all liability if you attempt to become a new person, except a cyborg. If you choose to become a half-human, half-cybernetic organism with lasers for eyes, the GEICO legal team would be cool with that because, quote, laser eyes are pretty sweet. Pew, 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 end quote. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. For real this time, that's going to do it for season one of ESPNW's Free Cookies. I mean, we think. I mean, we're pretty sure this is probably the only bonus episode. Unless Emma Thompson wants to come on, and then we could extend the season to 14. Or Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Throwback (laughs) to the episode two of Free Cookies. And if you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen Clearly to Clearly you're missing out if you don't know what we're order. talking about right now. JTT forever. All right, y'all. Free Cookies is from ESPNW. Please be sure to check out ESPNW.com for all your women's sports news, features, as well as lifestyle and culture tips. Not to mention Michelle Vopel's incredible article on Sue Bird called Ready to Let You In. Remember to email us at freecookies at ESPN.com about all things sports, wellness, pop culture, and cookies, and whether or not Stepmom is a movie that Catherine needed to qualify. She will not let that go. Do you understand the stubbornness that I'm living this with? This podcast is produced by Sarah Johnson, Yay. who remains amazing and who's sitting here and did that diligent work about dropping dimes. It's just been giggling at us the entire time. It's also edited by Brendan Rosen, and we got production help from Martin Onebu, who moved his life around for us to tape this episode so thank you martin and a special thanks to ryan nantel who helped us make this entire season one and our bonus episode potting is such sweet sweet sorrow is that emma thompson maybe no 
<laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>